Please take the word of God and turn with me this morning to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. And as you are turning there, we are considering the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you remember, as we come here to our text, Romans 5, we'll begin reading in verse 25, read down to verse 32. And we see that uh, Peter and the apostles have been threatened. They've said, we've told you already not to teach and preach in his name. If you remember at the beginning of chapter 4, they were, uh, or chapter 3, they were preaching the resurrection. And uh, they did not like that. As a matter of fact, the Sadducees denied the resurrection denied life after death, and and so on. And so the trouble here has been the message that has been preaching, and particularly this message, according to Peter, on the day of Pentecost, he preached the resurrection. When he was caught in the temple, after the lame man was raised up, he was preaching the resurrection. And here, as he's asked here to reply and say, didn't we not tell you to stop preaching and teaching in his name once again, He's going to mention the resurrection. It seems that the resurrection was very important to the first century church. And we continue notice Acts 5, verse 25. The Bible says, Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Here they go again. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Now, that is interesting in verse 28. You're intending to bring this man's blood upon us. You remember what they told Pilate? His blood be upon us. And now they're saying, you're trying to put his blood on us. Well, they said his blood would be upon them. Verse 29, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. And I want to say, are these men mad? Their lives are threatened. Verse 30, this is Peter and what he says. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. I would like to bring your attention to three words that we find in verse 30 and 31. The Bible says, the God of our fathers, here's the word, raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Verse 31, him hath God exalted. As we think about Jesus Christ, here is the summary of his ministry. God raised him. 
You slew him, and God exalted him. Christ came, Christ died, and Christ rose. We could say God raised Jesus Christ to be a prophet, a savior, and a prince. Man slew the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet God exalted the Lord Jesus Christ. I would like to preach a message that I've entitled, The Day That Changed Everything. Or if you like another title for, from the mouth of Peter, in verse 32, what does Peter say? We are his witnesses. There are two parts that are identified in Peter's response to the Sanhedrin. I would say the first part is verse 30. God the Father raised up Jesus, whom he slew and hanged on a tree. That's the first part. But then the second part is verse 31. That's when everything changed. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sin. And finally, Peter declares in verse 32, we are his witnesses of these things. What things? That God raised up Jesus, that he was hanged on a tree, and finally, that God has exalted him. You know, as believers living in the 21st century, we must ask ourselves this question. What happened that caused the first century believers to be willing to die for the message they preached? Why would these believers not be silenced? Why did these believers not listen to the authorities that told them to stop preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus Christ? And Peter, I believe, answers all those questions why. He says, we are his witnesses. You see, we are all aware of the complete transformation that happened to Peter. Uh, let's think about the timeline here, because here Peter, think about right now, he is standing before the Sanhedrin council. They've just told him, we've already told you to stop preaching and teaching in his name. Remember, earlier they were beaten and while they were told and they were threatened not to teach and to preach in his name. But before that, if you remember, there was a time when everything seemed to fall apart for Peter. We remember how the disciples all forsook Jesus Christ upon his arrest. We remember Peter denying that he knew the Lord. Peter even went so far as to curse that he did not know the Lord. We remember that the disciples were completely devastated by the Lord's death. We also remember that the disciples did not believe. Initially, the reports of the women that said that the tomb was empty, the Bible says it seemed unto them as idle words, like a fairy tale. We even remember Peter and John running to the tomb and John standing outside the tomb looking in and Peter running inside the tomb and the Bible says, and John believed, but yet Peter was still not convinced. We remember the disciples 
In John 19, he, they were shut into the house. They were locked because they were paralyzed by the fear of the Jews. That's what the Bible tells us. We remember the two disciples on the road to Emmaus who had lost hope that Christ was indeed the promised Messiah. Remember what they said, we trusted that it had been him who should redeem Israel. And yet here we are in Acts chapter 5, and we see Peter standing, that same Peter standing before the Sanhedrin council, seeming unconcerned with the threats upon his life. The same man that denied the Lord the same man that had doubted the empty tomb, the same man who, would par- who was paralyzed by fear, the same man is now preaching Jesus Christ. The same man is declaring Jesus Christ to be the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The same man has such boldness that he does not fear the same people he once feared. How is that possible, you ask? I will let Peter answer that question for himself. We are his witnesses. I would like to give you four reasons why Peter was unmoved to preach and teach the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you go back to chapter 2, you remember the message on the day of Pentecost? If you remember in Acts chapter 2, if you turn a few pages over to your left, you find Peter's preaching, and in his preaching of Jesus Christ, he's going to center the message on the resurrection of Christ. And notice in Acts 2, verse 22. Now this is, okay, so this after the ascension of Christ, this is the first message. This is the important one. This is the day when thousands of Jews in Jerusalem are going to believe, they're going to receive, they're going to be baptized, they're going to be added to the church, they're going to continue in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and prayers and breaking of bread and so on. A great revival takes place. And notice the message uh, that Peter preached. Notice in verse 22 of Acts 2. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye also yourselves know, God raised Jesus. Verse 23, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. God raised, ye slain. That's what... Peter says in Acts 5, in response to the Sanhedrin, verse 24, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope, because I will not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren. Do you see from verse 24 for verse 28? It's talking about the resurrection. 
And now verse 29, he continues, Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you as of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and the sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God hath sworn with an oath uh, to him that, uh, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Verse 31. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ. That his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all, here it is, are witnesses. What, Acts, what uh, uh, Peter says in Acts 5 is a summary of what he said in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when he preached about Jesus Christ. God raised him up. You slew him, and God raised him from the dead. God has exalted him. And I want you to notice that the majority of this message from verse 34 to the end of the message, it is centralized on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is no doubt that the message of Peter was particularly an emphasis on the resurrection of Israel. And so he begins by saying, ye men of Israel, he talks about Jesus of Nazareth. And then at the end he says, we all are witnesses. I want to give you four reasons why Peter was unmoved to preach and teach the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what it means for us today. First of all, Peter was unmoved because Christ's resurrection proves his person. Peter was unmoved because Christ's resurrection proves his person. Who is Jesus Christ? If you remember early on during the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus came to the disciples and he says, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And the disciples, well, some people say that you're Elias, some say, people say you're John the Baptist, and but then he turns to the disciples and he says, But whom say ye that I am? You remember what Peter said? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And uh, Jesus Christ praised Peter for that reply. If, we go, if you go with me to Romans chapter 1, in Romans 1, The Apostle Paul is going to summarize the person of Christ and attach the summary of Jesus Christ with the resurrection. Because as we understand, you remember Peter's bold, if you would, assertion that Jesus Christ was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter was commended for that. But remember what Peter, what happened to Peter. He forsook the Lord. He uh, claimed that he did not know the Lord. He did not believe the report of the empty tomb. He went on doubting. You remember, even after the resurrection, he was preoccupied and he says, I go a-fishing. <laughs> he was distracted and his mind was consumed with other things, but yet he had this great confession early on. You remember, even when Jesus Christ says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be betrayed in the hands of sinners. Remember what Peter says, not so. That's not going to happen. 
And so we say, what happened to Peter? That now he is unmoved to preach the resurrection because the resurrection finally and completely proves who Jesus is. If you notice with me in Romans 1, notice with me verse 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. What was prophesied? The gospel of God was prophesied in the Old Testament. Verse 3, what's the gospel about? What is it all about? Verse 3, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord. That's who the gospel is about which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and here it is, verse 4, and declared to be the Son of God with power. How? According to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. In other words, there is that time when the disciples acknowledge, if you wouldn't confess, that Jesus Christ was the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. But yet they did not truly understand in its fullness who Jesus Christ was because truly it is only the resurrection that finally and completely declares Jesus Christ to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. If we would go back to Luke 24, you remember when Jesus met the two disciples on the road to Emmaus who uh, said, We had trusted that it had been He which should redeem Israel. And so they were talking in the past tense. And later in Luke 24, He talks to the disciples. And in verse 45, if you turn there in Luke 24, 45, Jesus says, He opened He their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. And He said unto them, Thus it is written, And thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And so He says here, It is written, and it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. And notice He says, He opened to them that they might understand the what? The Scriptures. What were the Scriptures prophesied about? What did the Scripture prophesied about? They prophesied about the fact that Jesus Christ would come, He would die, and He would be raised from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus Christ proves that Jesus is the Son of God. It proves that He is the Messiah. And so here, when Peter stands before the Sanhedrin, and the people say, you, you, need, to touch, you need to stop preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus Christ, can you imagine what that does to Peter? Remember, he is a witness. He has seen God raise Jesus. He has seen Him slain. But he has also seen God exalt Him. And so Peter is unmoved by the threats to preach the resurrection. Why? Because the resurrection proves that Jesus is the Son of the living God. Secondly, Peter is unmoved because Christ's resurrection validates the work of salvation. If you go, if you're there in Romans, go with me to chapter 4. In Romans chapter 4, again, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, is explaining that salvation is the imputation of righteousness. 
the righteousness of God that is imputed upon the account of the sinner. And later in that chapter, in Romans 4, verse 25, notice here the Bible says, But for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus, uh, raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses, and here it is, and was raised again for our justification. So he was delivered, he died, he was slain for our offenses, but he was raised for our justification. Understand, the gospel message is not just that Jesus died. It is that Jesus died, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That is the gospel message. And understand that if Jesus Christ had only died, it would have been enough to, if you would deliver us from our offenses, but not the fact that he was raised means that he brings justification. The fact that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead means that we today are justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. If you turn with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is a wonderful passage on the resurrection of the saints in the last day, but in this chapter is packed some teaching about the resurrection of Christ. And in 1 Corinthians 15, if you go with me, notice in um, verse 55, he has been discussing the resurrection, and notice with me, 1 Corinthians 15, 55, he says this, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we find that we have victory over death, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he conquered death. What did he write earlier? Go back with me to verse 12 of this same chapter. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. Notice what uh, Paul says. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Verse 13. But if there be no resurrection of the dead then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Notice verse 15, yea, and we are found false witnesses of God. You get that? The witnesses part. Peter said in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost, we are witnesses of the resurrection. He said before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 5, we are his witnesses. And here he says, if Christ be not raised from the dead, then we are no witnesses. Because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ. That's what we've been preaching about. That has been our message. Whom he raised not up. If so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. Verse 17, and if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sin. 
Do we understand that the gospel message is not that Jesus died for our sins, but that He was buried, but then He was raised again for our justification? Because if Jesus Christ is not raised, and He brings the blood to the seed of the Father, there is no forgiveness of sin. There is no justification. There is no, uh, if you would, blotting out of the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. The blood of Christ was presented to the throne of the Father, and it could only be presented if He rose from the grave. So, Peter was unmoved because Christ's resurrection validates the work of salvation. Thirdly, Peter was unmoved because Christ's resurrection defeated the enemy. If you go with me to Hebrews chapter 2, in Hebrews chapter 2, there is quite a bit on the sacrifices and the resurrection that is given in the book of Hebrews. Uh, sometime it would be really good to read through the book. We've uh, Some years back we uh, did a preaching series through the book of Hebrews, but notice with me in, verse, in chapter 2, in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14, the Bible says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, refer, referring to Christ, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. And so notice here, the Bible tells us, that through his death, Jesus Christ destroyed him that had the power of death. Understand, through his death, he could only destroy death if he rose. If he died and he stayed dead, he that would not display the power over death and over the devil. And so understand that when Jesus Christ rose from the grave, when he came out of the tomb after three days, he defeated the enemy. That's why, as we just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The enemy has been conquered through the resurrection. I want you to go with me to Colossians in Colossians chapter 2. I refer to this portion of Scripture quite often. But notice as uh, this record is talking about the death of Christ on the cross, he says in Colossians 2, notice with me in verse number 13. Well, go back to uh, verse 11. Colossians 2 verse 11, In whom also ye, ye are circumcised with a circum, circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him up from the dead. The baptism that we just saw is a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 13, and you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven all you all trespasses. And here it is, verse 14. What did he do? Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Notice verse 15. And... 
having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. You see, on the cross of Calvary, when Jesus Christ died, uh, there was darkness upon the face of this earth. There was an earthquake, and we see all the blackness that would, that happened. The judgment of God was upon the Son, Jesus Christ. And when He died on the cross, it seemed that uh, the devil got what he wanted. It seemed that the devil had won, that Jesus had been stamped out, He had been conquered, He had been put in the grave, and nothing more would be said about Him. All the disciples are scattered around they're shut in the room they are in fear of their lives they are doubting whether Jesus Christ was indeed the Messiah but after three days Jesus Christ rose from the grave and what happened in his resurrection the Bible says he spoiled principalities and powers he made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it in his resurrection he triumphed over the devil You see, what happened is we who are bound by sin, who were subject to the prince and the power, the, the prince of this world, who is the devil, when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, understand, uh, he is inviting us to look at the enemy, to look at the great adversary of the world, and to say, look at him now, here is the son of the morning, here is Lucifer, here is the devil, here is the one who dared to damn the souls of men, look at him, he is stripped of all of his power, he is stripped of his hold upon man, because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And so sin, man no longer has to stay in sin and to die in his sin because of the resurrection. And so Peter stands before the Sanhedrin and he says, we are his witnesses. There is no amount of threat that you can give to us. Why? Because the resurrection has defeated the enemy. And you may kill us. But you will never stop the message of the resurrection. I believe there's another reason why Peter was unmoved. Peter was unmoved because Christ's resurrection announces the coming judgment. You see, the fact that Jesus Christ came and that he died and that he rose again, you know what that means? It means that he is coming again. Because the prophecies in the Old Testament in large part are dealing with the fact that Jesus Christ, Messiah, is going to come to judge the world in righteousness. We know that time is coming that is described in the Old Testament as Jacob's trouble and the tribulation period. And understand the reason why Peter is standing and preaching of the resurrection is because the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that means that he came as a Savior, but one day he is coming as a judge. If you go with me to Acts chapter 17, later when we find the Apostle Paul, he is preaching in Athens. And by the way, Athens, many there who lived there were philosophers. Many of them there would deny the supernatural. They would deny the resurrection. They would deny life, life after death. As a matter of fact, when Paul preaches on the resurrection, the Bible says he is openly mocked. And notice here what Paul preaches, Acts 17. Notice with me verse 29. Uh, earlier, you remember, the people in Athens had, uh, they were worshiping different gods, and there was one inscription, one God to the unknown God. And Paul is going to go on to tell them, you, 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 let me introduce you to that unknown God. 
And notice what happens later, right after that, in verse 29. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. And the time of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Because, and here it is, so uh, you see here, uh, God is not like other gods, like gold, silver, stone, verse 29, created by man's device. And right now, you men, you are ignorant, and in your ignorance, God is winking at that, but now there is a certain urgency He is commanding all men everywhere to repent. That was the message of John the Baptist, repent. It was the message of Jesus Christ, repent. It is still the message of God today to repent. And he says, why? Verse 31, because he, God, hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. You see, the coming judgment is connected to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Paul is standing and he says, you may make fun of the resurrection, you may not believe in the resurrection, but the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, God now is winking at your wickedness. But he is commanding you now, all men everywhere to repent, because there is coming a day when he will judge the world in righteousness. By that same man whom he has raised. He says, verse 32, And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, the Bible says some mocked. And by the way, the world is still mocking today. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Bible says, Another said, We will hear thee again on this matter. So parted, parted from among them. You see, Peter was unmoved because Christ's resurrection announces the coming judgment. And I ask ourselves this question, as Paul is standing here in the midst of this worldly crowd, the Sanhedrin Council, and they say, did we not tell you to stop preaching and teaching in His name? And you remember what Peter says, we rather obey God than man. We ought to obey God rather than man. Why? He says, because we are witnesses. And I say, why was Peter unmoved? He was unmoved because the resurrection proves the person of Christ. It validates the work of salvation. It defeated the enemy. And it announces the coming judgment. And I say to us today in the 21st century, we must be unmoved. The world may ridicule the resurrection Look down upon the resurrection and say, you foolish people, this is the 21st century. And I say to us that the resurrection is the day that changed everything for the Apostle Peter. And so if we're going to be unmoved, we have to consider that the resurrection proves that Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of the living God. And that salvation is validated because His resurrection gives us, brings about our justification. That the resurrection has defeated the enemy. Do we understand that if God is for us, 
Who can be against us? Who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Yea, that is risen and coming again. And finally, we ought to be unmoved because there is hastening a day when God will judge the world. And that should cause us to rise up and to say we're not going to be silenced in the 21st century. We are going to remain unmoved because there is coming a day. God hath winked at the time of this ignorance, but now he commands all men everywhere to repent. The fact that Jesus Christ rose from the grave means he is coming again. He came the first time as a savior to save man from their sin, but the next time he comes, he will come as a judge. The first time he came, he had eyes as of compassion that children came to him. But the next time he comes, he will have eyes as of a flame of fire, and the world will run away from him. They will cry out, let the rocks fall on us. We cannot abide his presence. But there is an opportunity now, because of the resurrection, to hasten and to be unmoved. And so the resurrection changed everything for Peter. And I believe the resurrection today in the 21st century must change everything for us in this life.